Jesus, we thank you this morning for your wonderful love for us. It's a love that we feel. It's a love that we experience. It's a love that we live in. Lord, we thank you that it's an endless love. It's an infinite love. It's a love that knows no end. And Lord, we just are so thankful this morning for your amazing love came and rescued us, came and set us free, came and brought us to where we are today and will take us every day into our tomorrows. Lord, we thank you for never leaving us, never forsaking us. It's because of that love. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. It's because of that love. That we can love one another and that we can love in every situation that meets us. Lord, as we come to your word today, Lord, we understand that you express it and send it to us from your love. Lord, thank you. You don't come with a hard, critical, cutting voice but you come with a gentle whisper, a gentle, loving, compassionate, caring voice right into every different place of life which we find ourselves in. So Lord, today as we listen to your word, we just pray that above my voice, Lord, Lord, because my voice is nothing. My voice is just like any other voice. Has no power, has no ability to do anything. But it's your voice. It's your voice, Lord, that changes things, that, that does things. Lord, we pray that we would hear that loving voice into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus woo, a great shout this morning and turn maybe to somebody on your left or your right or behind you and say hello to them. Welcome them just before you sit down. Congratulate them for, for getting here this morning in the midst of a very busy day, cyclists on the road. I love cycling. But when they stop you coming to church, I tell you, I've got no time for them. Cycling's great. Love it. But well done, everybody, for getting here this morning. It's fantastic. And it really is just wonderful to be together this morning in God's house. You know, it's great. Really just to, you know, come into his presence, to be together in his presence it's, it's the greatest, it's the greatest privilege, it's the greatest honor, it's the greatest thing that, that, that we can experience. This morning we're continuing um, just with this theme, there is no place like home. There is no place like home. You know, sometimes I've, I've gone home and um, I've realized that I just want to get home and just have a good rest. 
Have you ever been like that? You've had a busy day. Maybe you've had a stressful day. Maybe there's been some trouble that you've gone through. Maybe you've been worried. And it's wonderful to have a place that you can go to, that you can call home. And you can just, you know, lay your burdens down and rest. I think it's awful to be at a place where you're homeless, where you have no home. You know, there's maybe people in our city and maybe some people here today that don't have a home right now. And they're going through all of the difficulties of being homeless. Oh, we should always give thanks to God for our homes. We should always say, thank you, God, that I'm not homeless. Whether that be physically, I believe it's important just to appreciate the physical home that you have. Thank God for it. Don't ever take it for granted. But also spiritually, to have a home, to have a place that we can call home. To, 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 to think that we are not just wandering out there aimlessly, nowhere to go. But God has planted us in a home. It's so wonderful to have a spiritual home. So wonderful to have a physical home. You know, over the years I've had friends that have been homeless, that have had no home. And I've seen the trouble and the confusion and the, just the sheer pain that they've had to go through as a result of not having a home. Just living in the elements, living out there in the raw elements, not knowing what the weather's going to do, not knowing whether it's going to be a warm day or a cold day. They don't have the protection of a house to live in. They're just subject to the elements and they live under bridges and they live in all kinds of conditions. You know, we should pray for those and help those that don't have a home. Amen. Later on in this year, we are going to be um, hopefully working with um, uh, Eden Gate, Mick, yeah, Eden Gate to, um, to help and support those who are homeless in our city as they go into winter. So please pray for that. And um, we're going to be, I'm going to be chatting. I have already chatted with Caroline Johnson um, earlier this year just about that. So we want to help those that are homeless. Amen. And support them. Bless them. But um, yeah, it's wonderful to go home sometimes, lay your head on the pillow and have a good rest. You know, there's sometimes I have had a busy day and I've said this to Faye and um, I, I've, I've gone upstairs and I've, I've just laid my head on the pillow and I've said to God, God, thank you so much that I right now can close my eyes and go to sleep, that I can shut these little windows in my head and not look out anymore at the world that I'm living in and I can put it all to bed, put it all to rest. And it's funny just how those hours of sleep, those hours of rest, you come up refreshed, you come up re rejuvenated, you go into another day and you're a different person. It's amazing. It's amazing what rest does. Rest empowers you. Rest strengthens you. Rest invigorates you. It's awful not to be not, not to be able to have rest. It's awful. Try it tonight. Decide not to go to bed. Decide not to have any rest and see how you fare tomorrow as you go into another day. We need rest 
And rest is something that God wants us all to enjoy. There is no place like home because God's house is a house of rest. God's house is a place where you and I find rest. And, um, you know, I want us over the weeks to begin to look at this wonderful aspect of God's rest in our lives as a result of the finished work of Jesus, as a result of what Jesus has done on the cross and in his resurrection and in his life for us, I want us to begin to explore all of the wonderful benefits of this rest that he wants to bring us into. Now, some would think, well, rest? Rest? That doesn't sound very exciting. That doesn't sound very promising. I'm telling you, rest is all over the Bible. When you begin to look at the Bible, when you begin to look at the Old Testament as much as the New Testament, rest is something that God wanted his people to enter. Rest is something that God has provided for his people to walk in, to live in. It's actually, when you look at it, a supernatural experience. It's a supernatural life that God has given you and I access to that he wants us to enjoy, whereby... No trouble, no circumstance, no crisis can ever get to the core of you because you're in his rest. It's a wonderful, wonderful dimension that God wants us to understand, but not only understand as a theory, but God actually wants us to enter it as an experience. You know, much of Christian teaching just remains a theory, a formula. Much of, you know, uh, the teaching around Jesus' time was very theoretical. It was very formula-based. It was very legalistic. The, but, the, but Jesus came and what was so refreshing, one of the things that was so, so refreshing about Jesus was that he didn't just give people a load of formulas in their mind and a load of theories to listen to. He actually brought them in to an experience. He actually brought them into um, a new dimension of living. He said the kingdom of God has come among you and you can experience it. You can live in it. You can, you can, your whole life can change and be enriched by it, you see. It would be sad if only our, if, if our Christian life was only ever theories and formulas. But the reason why our Christian life is so powerful and dynamic and wonderful is because God has gone from the theory and the formula and he's come into our nitty-gritty day living experience. And the Holy Spirit has empowered us to live, not only to know formula, but to live experientially in him. I want us to begin to look at one verse or a few verses from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through to verse 30. Jesus speaking to people of his time. And he said this, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now Jesus was appealing to people who were obviously working hard, laboring hard. They were doing everything they could do to change their life situations. Maybe there was different problems preying on people, different difficulties arising. They were meeting different circumstances and different types of crises. And they were working to change things, working to, to fix things. And as a result of it, all of the hard work was bearing down on them and they were becoming heavy laden with burden. Jesus looking out saw it and he looks out today into our world. And when you go out down the street or into your workplace or, you know, into the various places of life where you and I go, you can see that people are working. Crises come, circumstances come. And what, what we do is that, you know, we stand outside of God and we work to change our lives. We work so hard, maybe to better our lives or to change the circumstances that face us. But very often what happens is that things get worse. We work harder to change life. Life works against us and as a result, we become heavy laden or we become burdened or we become weighted down with the cares of life. And Jesus appealing to the people of his time and appealing to every generation after his time. He says, listen, come to me. All of you that are working so hard at life and getting nowhere. All of you that, that are burdened by life, by the cares of life, come to me. I can see that you need the rest that I can give. You see, Jesus is so caring. He's not critical. Very often, you know, when we go down through life and we carry the cares of life, it's easy for people to, you know, look on. Look on at our lives and criticize us coldly or give us untested advice have you ever had untested advice from somebody you know you 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 you're carrying a problem you're trying to you know get through a circumstance or a crisis and somebody comes up to you and they say well if you did this things would be different so you try what they do and you get in a worse mess it's untested advice it's untried advice everybody can give you advice Anybody can. And Jesus, looking into people's lives, could see this. He said, come to me. Come to me with your, your burdens. And I'll give you rest. I will lift, you see, the burden off you. And suddenly, when he lifts the burden off you, you find rest. It's a supernatural rest. Jesus isn't saying, you know, listen, give your job up. Forget about work tomorrow. Oh, it'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Hey, fantastic. But he's not talking about that kind of rest. 
He's not talking about, you know, throwing your job in and just doing nothing. No, this rest will enable you to do so much more. When you look at Isaiah 40 and you, 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 you begin to look at the picture that emerges there, it begins to, to talk about rising up with wings as of eagles, running and not growing weary, walking and not growing faint. You can walk and not grow faint as a result of God's rest in your life. You can run harder than you've ever run before and not grow weary or faint as a result of the power of God's rest in your life. You see, God's rest in your life is a state of being. It's a state of faith and trust in Him and, in, and it enables you and empowers you to do more than you've ever done. It's a life within you that God wants us to enter. Psalm 46, another wonderful verse in the Bible. Psalm 46, verse 10. God wants his people to be still. And he says to them, be still. We know it. We know the verse really well. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. Psalm 46 is an incredible psalm. Because in one sense, it's a psalm that paints an amazing picture, quite a troubling picture of a hostile world that is full of crises and full of uncertainty and full of unrest, full of war, full of trouble. Psalm 46 paints this, this uh, picture of trouble and war and calamity and unrest and then God to his people in the midst of all of that uncertainty comes to them and says I am your refuge and strength right at the beginning I am your refuge and your strength an ever-present help in times of trouble imagine that Imagine God standing with you, the God of the universe who flung the stars into space, who put the, the sun and set the sun in its position and the moon and all of the planetary systems. Imagine the intelligence of God, the wisdom of God and all of, all of his wonderful attributes being at your disposal and him assuring you, saying, I am your refuge. I am your strength. I'm an ever-present help for you. For you in times of trouble. And in light of that, when, when David and others caught understanding of that, caught understanding of who God was and who he wanted to be to them, not in heaven, in distant heaven, but with them and in them, when they understood that, and on reflection of that, they said, who shall we fear? Who shall we fear? Even if the earth passes away, we'll trust in you. And God begins to unfurl his promises and unfurl all of the wonderful things about his nature and all of the wonderful attributes about his character. And when they saw that, 
in a trouble-infested world, when they understood that, he came with his command and said, be still. You see, this wasn't an invitation. I've read this verse many times. When I've been anxious, you know, when you're, when you're anxious or when you're worried about something and yeah, it's awful to be anxious. It's, it's almost like being tortured. It's an awful thing to worry or to be anxious about something when something goes around and around in your mind. Has anybody ever had that? just keeps going around in your mind. You try, right, I'm not going to think about it now. You try your hardest. I'm not going to think about it. I've, I'm, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to be a person of faith. And it goes on and on and on and on and on in your mind. And you cannot separate yourself from it. What is that? It's a burden that's caught around you. It's a weight. It's like a weight, a pressure that's pressing down on you. And it's got you. And you can't, you can't, it's so difficult to set yourself free from it. And there's been times in my life where I've not been able to set myself free from that care, that worry, that concern. And then suddenly, suddenly, I don't know how he does this, but Jesus just walks into the room. And when he walks into the room, worry walks out, you see. Worry walks straight out of the door. Smith Wigglesworth said this, fear knocked at the door. He said, so I sent faith to answer it, and fear wasn't there anymore. Great little formula. Oh, come on, church. We have got access to the living God. We have got access. We have got an audience to the one that holds us up when we feel we're sinking, when we feel we're drowning, when we feel that we haven't got any more to give. He is the lifter of our heads. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is more faithful than a brother, my friend. I tell you now, He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You may be in a dark corner, but you're not going to stay in that dark corner. My God, He'll bring you out. He's your fortress. He's your strength. He's wonderful. Hallelujah. And you see, that is what? That is what? It's those real tests. It's those real difficulties. It's those real challenges and crises that we come through that nobody else may see that really builds our character and our love for him and our dependence on him. God comes to his people in Psalm 46. They were heavy laden. They were carrying burdens. They were looking out at a world around them. There was wars here, wars there. There was unsettling times. All kinds of different calamities. But God began to assure them, hey, I split the seas. I split the seas. I opened the waters. I created the mountains. I can start wars and I can stop wars. Imagine that. God can start them, but as soon as they start, if God so determines, he can stop them. And he declares it. 
In Psalm 46, I tell you now, we live in a world today that is still very unsettled. Very unsettled. Do you know, I heard this recently. When we look at all of the the terrible famines and the, 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 the terrible situations that people find themselves in throughout our world. And they estimate that it would cost, I think it's 500 billion pounds to bring our world to where everybody would be at an equal standard of living. Where there would be no famine, where there would be no lack, where there, would, where there would be a world that was more whole than ever. It would cost 500 billion pounds. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. And yet, it may seem a lot of money to us. And yet, every week, they spend 500 or 600 billion pounds on new armaments and new weaponry. You see, I tell you now, God, let's not look Godward when it comes to sorting our world out. Let's look manward a bit. Let's stop pointing our finger and blaming God and saying, what are you going to do? God's done everything he can do in sending his son, Jesus. But they looked out into their world and they saw all the unsettling. And of course, they were worried. They were carrying burdens. And when you worry... What happens? You step out of God's word and you go into a very different kind of world that's full of questions, that has no answers. And God comes into the midst of their trouble in Psalm 46. He comes into the midst of the crisis. He comes into the midst of all of the plaguing voices that are attacking his people and trying to take apart his word. And he says, be still. And that's a command. That's not an invitation. That's a command. I was so encouraged a number of, it may have been about six or eight months ago, it was, I went up to his church and Trevor, who, who runs his church, began to tell me about the command of God when he commands us to be still, you see. Sometimes when we're worried, now this is where I've been, we want to try and be still. So we do everything we can. Think of the things that you do to be still. I'm going to try and pray so I can be still. Or I'm going to try and read my Bible to be still. I'm going to worship. Oh, Lord. I... Makes me even more worried when I sing. <laughs> oh, we, we do all of these things to try and get back into a place of stillness and then God steps in. He walks in. And he sees all the confusion and all of the worry that's plaguing. The apple of his eye. The darling of his heart. The one that he gave his blood for. The one that he cried over. The one that he went to hell for. And from a place of deep love, he says, be still. And suddenly, there's order, there's stillness. 
There's a removal of all of the worry and anxiety and all of the stuff that plagues us. I love it when you read Genesis chapter 1. You see it there. God said, let there be light. And there was light. You see, whatever he tells to be is. I can try and confess it all I want. Be still, Dave. Be still. Stop worrying, Dave. And my voice has no power over the worry and the anxiety and all of the pressures that come. But suddenly he steps in. Be still, Dave. And suddenly I'm free. I'm whole. I'm again at a strong place in him going on in everything that he wants me to go on into. Now today, there may be an unsettling in your heart. Well, listen out. Listen, listen out for him. Because he's going to say, be still. And you're going to be still. You're going to come into this rest that he has provided for you. You know, I remember, I was just thinking back, and I've said this before, but I, I remember when I was in South Africa, living in South Africa, and I was at a place where I was really anxious, for whatever reason, worried and downcast inside, and it's an awful feeling. It's an awful feeling. And remember the Holy Spirit giving me just a verse of Scripture from Philippians 4. You know it well. It says, be anxious for nothing. Or, let's, yeah, we'll go a, a little bit before. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That's what it goes on to say. And I, I, the Holy Spirit gave me this verse, and I kept on confessing it like a little robot for months. Be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And I would confess it and confess it, and yet... My mouth was saying one thing, but my heart was so heavy. I could feel the anxiety. Like a, it was like a ceiling over me. It was like a, a weight on me. And then one day, I can see it now. In the afternoon, I was walking down the street just going for a walk. And I, it's funny, you know, what you remember when God speaks to you. I'm, I'm at a curb and my foot is just about to go down onto the road. New trainers, by the way. <laughs> oh, the kids, the kids went crazy over the trainers. We all went shopping yesterday to buy dad some new trainers. It was like a national, it was like a national day. Dad's getting some new trainers, we've got to go. It's fantastic. But... My foot was just about to go down onto the road. I promise you now. I promise you, God. It's so awesome. 
completely free. Just walking down the road. It was like any other day. Life going on around me. I wasn't in a church service. But every moment of the day, to that point, I was crying out to God, set me free, Jesus. Set me free of this worry. Set me free of this care. I'm carrying a burden, Jesus. I need you to lift it from me. And it's sometimes it's good to carry those things because then you really appreciate your freedom. Then you really appreciate the rest that he wants to bring you into. I'm telling you, this is not necessarily a physical thing. This is a spiritual life. This is a spiritual dimension. I stepped off the curb. I hit the... I, 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 I hit the road, my foot hit the road, and suddenly the peace of God invaded my spirit before I was having an argument with God. It's ridiculous you saying, don't worry about anything. It's ridiculous you saying, don't be anxious about anything. What kind of life is that? What kind of advice is that? How can that be so? I live in a world that's full of worry. I live in a, in a, in a world that's full of cares. How can you say to me from your word, be anxious for nothing? Don't let anything ahead of you, son, speak to you and make you anxious. Don't let anything behind you, son, raise its ugly head and come knocking on your door and make you feel worried. Be anxious for nothing. And I was having an argument with God. I was saying to God, God, this is unrealistic. Oh yeah, it's really unrealistic. It's supernatural. It's not natural at all. It's a dimension of life that has been bought and paid for you. It has been bought and paid for you. And don't let any devil in hell or don't let any man or woman keep you out of your rights. You have a right to the rest that God is calling you to enter. You have a right to enter into that rest that God wants you to enjoy. And it's not I tell you now, God doesn't want you or I anxious. He doesn't want you or I worried. It may, I believe it makes his heart sad. I believe it causes him to cry when we carry these cares and worries. Oh man, I remember. You see, we say, it's so unreasonable for you to say, God, be anxious for nothing. But you see, there's just a few verses before. We read it. It says, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Why can you be anxious for nothing? Because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is close. Why would you want to be anxious when he's at hand? Why would you want to worry when he's right here? That's what it means. The Lord is at hand. That's what Paul was saying to the Philippians. He was saying, listen, God's right, right up next to you. God's so close to you. Don't you realize it? You haven't got to be anxious. You haven't got to worry. You haven't got to get depressed. He's with you. Recognize that. And I tell you that day, that day was a landmark moment in my life that I will never forget. 
never. The Christian life should be full of miraculous testimonies. It should, people. I'm telling you now, God is going to work amongst us. And I'm telling you, there's going to be such an upsurge of his spirit. There's going to be such a closeness and an intimacy with God on a daily basis. Your life is going to be full of miraculous testimony, miraculous signs and wonders where God is moving in your life and you're going to be bowled over. I used to listen to my mother and father tell me testimony after testimony after testimony. Every week something new was happening and they weren't making it up. It was the miraculous. It was a dimension of life that they had entered, that they were walking into. And I said to God, I can remember it. I said, oh God, I want a life like that. I want a life like that. Let that be the hunger of your heart. God wants to do miracles. And I'm telling you now, you look through your Bible, Old and New Testament, whenever and before God did any miracle, the people were always at a place of rest. The people had always ceased from their work. And when they had ceased from their work, God rolled his sleeves up and did his work. I'm telling you now, if you and I will cease from our work, you will see God do his work. What is worry? It's an expression of our work, what we can do. And that's what the devil wants us running around in. Worry and fear. And all of those things that God doesn't want us in. But over the next weeks, ah, we're going to be looking at this. Woo! Place of rest for God's people. And I believe I believe that many of us, many of us in this place, if not all of us, are at the greatest moment in our lives. We are at the greatest moment. You say, well, Dave, look at, look at what's happened. I know. Things can be tough. Horrible. Horrible on the outside. We don't know what can happen from one day to the next. But we have a God that makes all things work together for good. To those that love him. To those that are called according to his purpose. And he can take the horrible things, the ugly things, the good and the bad. And bring it all together and manipulate it for his glory. Manipulate it for his good. Even the most shameful thing that you never want to remember. Even, even the, 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 the sickest thing, the most diseased thing that you're, that you're fearful of. God can manipulate it and craft it for his glory. And every work of the enemy, I tell you something now. The enemy's but a pawn on God's chessboard. He is but a pawn. That God maneuvers back and forth for his purposes. So be encouraged. I'm going to ask Joe to come up and the musicians, we're going to, we're going to finish in a few moments. Let me just read to you from Hebrews 4. Just one verse and this is really just, we're just set in a backdrop today of where we want to go. In the next few weeks, We've got Father's Day next week. So we're going to have a great, great service next week. But this is what the Hebrew writer said to those that he was writing to of his time. 
And Hebrews 4 is an incredible chapter all about God's rest. You see, when we talk about rest, again, let me say this. We're not talking about slobbing off, right? Lying in bed, putting your head under the covers and never doing anything. I know people here. I know people here in this place this morning. They haven't got a job. Or they may be retired. And they're on their knees at three o'clock in the morning praying from a place of rest. Don't ever look at somebody's outer circumstances and think, well, they're not working. Or they may be working a lot harder than you from a place and a position of rest that God has brought them into. Hebrews 4 verse 1 says this. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. This chapter, you can hear it in the writer's heart. He's, on one hand, he's excited because there's a promise that remains. There's a promise outstanding. There's a promise that's available. And he's saying to everybody, listen, you've got to get into God's rest. You've got to get into this dimension of life whereby fear can't touch you, worry can't touch you. Any crisis that tries to perturb you won't be able to get to you because there's a place of rest. Oh, it's not removal from trouble. It's not removal from circumstance. It's not removal from all of the horrible things out there in life that want to beat you up. It's not removal from that. But it's being in a place of rest in the midst of all of that. Reigning in life. Being more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. Being able to say, like Paul said in Romans 8, What shall we say? To all of these things, all of these besetting things around us, all of these troubling things, all of these harmful things, all of these things that, that are taking me on a wrong road, what shall we say according to, to, to all of these things? If God is for me, who shall be against me? That's a man that has found his rest in God. That's a man that is completely stable in an unstable world. That's the man who knows a stillness that's beyond the crisis, a stillness from the command of God's mouth, be still, Paul, and know that I'm a God. That's a man that can, you know, sit in a prison cell, chained up, not knowing what's ahead of him, not knowing what's in front of him, and just write peacefully and restfully to the church of God. There is a rest that remains, that God wants us to enter, that God wants us to live in. Where you walk down the corridor of life, unperturbed by life's troubles and life's circumstances. And I'm telling you people, the Lord spoke this word to me over two years ago and I haven't been allowed to speak it. He wouldn't release it through me and now he wants to release it he wants you to come into his rest he wants you to have such a deep powerful life in him knowing that he is God circumstances not your God 
This world is not your God. We are in the world, but we are not of it. We are not of it. We are strangers and aliens. Woohoo! I'm an alien. And I look like one. There are aliens. And I'm here to prove it. Look at me. Now we're aliens in this world. We belong to another kingdom. And we are not troubled. And it's not, listen, it's not this, uh, it's not this false faith either. Because there are things that will drive us to our knees and cause us to cry. Tears. It's not this, oh, you know, I'm unemotional, nothing touches me because I'm a man of faith. No, because, of course we're touched. Broken sometimes. But in it all, there's a rest of God. In it all, there's a place in Him, a hiding place that we find in Him. Whereby we can say with Paul, what do we say to all these things? What do we say to the, to the divorce that beat us up and left us bruised with no hope? What do we say to the, to the, the fears that we have? the unemployment that we face? What do we, what do we say to the uncertain future that the world tell us about? What do we say to these life circumstances that we find ourselves in? Disappointed by our children, aching over our children that we, we, we love so much, but they don't love us. What shall we say to those things that try to bring us out of our place of rest? What do we say to the things of our past that rise up and say, you can't, you never will? What do we say to those things that want us to live in unrest? We say with Paul, from a place of rest, if God is for me, nothing of that nature can be against me. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's a promise outstanding that we're going to lay hold of. There's a promise that's available that we're going to enter into. Not because I'm saying it, but because Jesus is saying it to us and saying, hey, I'm bringing you in. I'm bringing you into this rest and we're going to unpack it and we're going to see some wonderful things over the weeks to come. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. There may be one here today and you've never asked Jesus in to your heart. Do you know one of the things that happens when you ask Jesus into your heart, immediately you come into a place of rest. Inside. All of those cares and worries that have plagued you through life. All of those fears that have dominated you. They have to bow and leave. Is as simple as that. Now you're here today, and maybe maybe you want to ask him into your heart. I'd love to pray with you. Pray this prayer with me quietly in your heart while people have got their eyes closed. It's just an invitation, like you'd invite somebody into your house, and you'd open the door and say, Hey, coming in, John. 
I've got everything prepared for you. I've made a meal for you. I want to invite you in. I want you to be my guest. Just like you would do that in your home, that's what you're going to do with Jesus right now. You're going to open your heart because there's a door in your heart. Sometimes we call it our will, our ability to choose. And you're going to say yes to Jesus. You're going to choose him. Just say this prayer with me. Jesus, I open the door of my life to you. Please come in. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Give me this rest that I need. Be my savior. I call on your name today. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose from the dead for me too. Thank you. Now, if you prayed that prayer while heads are bowed, we'd love to give you a little Bible. Lift your hand up. We'll see your hand and you can put it down and we'll pass a Bible to you. Is there one person here this morning? We'll wait a minute. Just let people think. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing just before we go. But through the week, just begin to open your heart to God. Say, oh Lord, I want to enter this rest now. It's a word that the Lord is speaking to us. I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. It's such a powerful place, living in his rest. The fruit of love is rest. Unconditional love doesn't get you to work. It doesn't say do, 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 do. Unconditional, unfailing love says done, 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 done. It's all been done. Now you can rest as a result of what he's done. I can rest as a result of what he has done. We'll lift our hands. We're going to sing. Father, we thank you this morning. As we go from this place, we pray, Lord, that we would begin now, every day, every new day, that we would enter into this rest, that we would walk in this rest, a greater level of trust, a greater level of faith, that we would know by experience the words of Solomon where he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, Solomon. Don't lean on your own understanding anymore. Don't lean on that old, weary understanding. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lord, that we would know that by experience. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 